0: Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of the SaaS Sprints podcast, the podcast for content marketers in SaaS. And I'm your host Yag. In today's episode, we are going to learn how to drive revenue with SEO and what makes for a great B2B SaaS website. To discuss that, we have with us Sam Dunning, the sales director and co-owner of WebChoice, A digital agency focused on website development and SEO solutions. Sam is an expert in all things website building and design and I'm super excited today to dig into his knowledge, get tips, learn some best practices that can really help you take your SaaS website to the next level. So without any further ado, hey ho, let's go. Hey, Sam, I'm super happy to have you here. How's it going?
1: Hey, yeah, looking forward to the conversation, sir.
0: Absolutely. I'm so thrilled and uh, I'm excited for this. Right. Let's get started. You know, um, one of the first things is that when it comes to SEO, a lot of people don't know whether they are currently doing it right or what's going on with everybody starts with certain assumptions. And when you're a small team, you're probably building bottom funnel content priority as, as your priority. And then you start expanding as you become a bigger company. But let's start with this. In your observation, where do most companies actually go wrong when it comes to SEO? And you're running an agency. You probably see this on a daily basis.
1: So many things. So a lot of it comes down to the strategy. And that might be because perhaps they don't have expertise in it, or perhaps they're following guidance from someone else or something else. So a bunch of common mistakes I see is perhaps they go for creating blog articles before having clear product or offer pages, which we can dive into in a bit more detail in a sec. They don't have a clear defined strategy. So they trying a bunch of different SEO tactics, like blog articles, or they're building backlinks, or they're trying to do partnerships, or they're trying to update their website, they're trying to do some technical SEO, they're trying to refresh their content. But there's no clear strategy as to, well, these are the actual types of clients we wanna attract, let's build out a plan so we attract these that need our offer, that are actually gonna drive inbound lead or inbound demo requests or consult requests in the short term, um, or other, other random things like trying to build links with with no clear guidance or having quite a light website is something that's quite common especially in the SaaS world and b2b a lot of these websites only have five six pages like home about us services pricing contact something like that and if you just have such a thin content website you're going to really struggle to to rank so those are probably some of the the big culprits that I see but there's lots more that we can certainly dive into when it comes to SEO.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Each of these are, the, you know, um, like a rabbit holes that we can absolutely get into and deep dive. Let's let's talk about you know the strategy part for a second. Um, you know, you and I both understand that having a list of keywords is not an SEO strategy, right? So you're one of the best when it comes to SEO. So maybe give us a glimpse into how do you typically get started with the SEO strategy once you have a new website.
1: If you're doing a refresh or redesign, you want to think about SEO before you launch that website because quite often businesses will come to us and they'll be like, I've just launched a website, Sam. I want to start SEO. It's like, well, you're going to cause yourself a whole lot of pain because if you'd have thought about SEO when you're building this thing out, it would have been a lot, lot easier. Anyway, with that said, the main thing you want to define first and foremost with an SEO strategy is really like, what do you want to get out of this? And in the most in most cases in B2B SaaS Um, These companies want to drive inbound demo requests. They want to drive qualified opportunities for their sales team. So they want to make organic search a sustainable source of inbound fuel revenue and fuel sales team with juicy leads. So first thing you want to really be clear on is who exactly are we targeting? What's our ideal client profile? But moreover, what are the main offers we actually want to get inbound for? And what are the main industries that we best serve that drive good revenue and that we enjoy working with? Because from there, we can start researching and seeding out um, opportunities when it comes to potential keywords that we can target, I like to call money terms, that are going to be the uh, the quickest wins. Because ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to be found by these prospects that fit our ideal client profile that are quite literally searching for our offer or service. So long tail searches is one of the best ways to do that. And you can use the common culprits on SEO tools like HREF, SEMrush, whatever, Um So first and foremost, like from our perspective, to give you an actual example, we hadn't done a whole bunch of SEO on our website for a little while because we're servicing clients. So I thought, look, let's I want to double down on all the industries we serve. So I started um, doing some research and basically building out pages for every niche. So in our case, it was like B2B SEO for SaaS. We'll build out a page for that. Um, Build B2B SEO for pharma tech companies, B2B um, SEO for health tech companies, etc. So think about what is the core offer that you provide and what are some of the core industries. And those can build out long tail keywords that those particular relevant um, prospects might search for. And then you can build a best in class landing page that talks about the problems, how you fix them, why you're different, qualifies them, etc. And I can talk about long form landing pages in a bit. But yeah, that's one of the first things, like building out those long-form keywords. Um, but it doesn't end there. So there's other opportunities. Once you've nailed down what I call the money terms for the main offers and industries you want to get leads from, then you can start kind of working up the funnel. And that might be something like mid-funnel, where people are at the comparison stage. So you might look at alternative keywords. So if you've got common competitors that you come against... Um, for example, if you're a proposal tool, that might be, I don't know, Proposify versus PandaDoc or PandaDoc alternatives or Proposify alternatives. Because um, as you know, in the B2B space, most of the time, these companies are comparing two or three vendors. So you wanna make sure you show up um, when people are doing these searches. And then you can do, once you've nailed down your kind of mid funnel and bottom funnel searches, you can think about early in the funnel, early in the stage, um, sales stage process, which might be prospects have questions around your offer. They might have problems you fix, um, and actually understanding and knowing what to target for those is really good to dig into things like sales conversations, customer success conversations, um, prospecting conversations, because you can quite literally get with your sales team and understand what are the common queries that we get on a day-to-day, what are the common objections we face, what are the common frustrations that prospects come to us to fix, all that juicy info that can also be really well leveraged for your keyword research and can also tap into something called zero click search terms, which is essentially where you ignore tools like HREFs and SEMrush, and you go after the keywords that might show a zero volume or zero to 10 searches, but you know that you're getting asked these queries all the time. Therefore, if you build out great pages, great content that addresses those pain points or questions, you can actually capture demand before your competitors even get a sniff. So that's probably one of the first stages I'd recommend, getting a clear strategy, for bottom of funnel, which would be where the first couple months are spent and then working your way up um, before we jump into website content.
0: I absolutely love the last part, especially, and that was something that I was going to ask based on how your answer was going towards that, because, you know, uh, the initial part that you described uh, primarily looks like something that, you know, you work on a well-defined market where you know that these are the terms that my prospects are going to search with. And um, you will target a different set of keywords and try to rank better and all of that. But when you're starting out, especially, you know, when you are a new product, like you said, you know, these guys are going to have only about five or six pages on their website, which means that they have to build out an entire content strategy around it. And many a times the thought process there is that, hey, should I invest on demand capture or should I be doing demand gen as everybody on LinkedIn these Hmm. days are Primarily talking about. So, what is what is your thought process there? What would be your recommendation for something who's somebody who's just starting out? What would be the division for you?
1: Oh, in terms of like a new B two B SaaS company, like what what they should do is they yeah, go to for market? somebody who
0: is new. Let's let's say yeah, let's say somebody is coming up with uh, you know a new product to compete with Hrefs, right? Uh, or <laughs> or luck. any or PandaDoc for that matter, right? It's it's gonna be an absolute struggle but where do you start you know because these markets are already flooded and you cannot be playing the catch-up game you also have to put out something that is very very unique so how where do you start
1: completely depends on the situation right if they've got funding then they can do what they want they can invest in everything but let's pretend (laughs) that they're bootstrapped and they've got limited cash then i probably wouldn't think about seo straight away so if, if I was in right. that situation where I had a new tech product, be it SaaS or be it a service, then the go-to-market in my mind would be more, let's acquire customers, let's get some monthly recurring revenue, then let's scale marketing. So literally what I've done with my businesses when I've started, I've always got the quickest wins, which typically is existing network. So where have you got an existing network that you can sell to Do you have some connections? Do you have a decent uh, um, connections on LinkedIn? Do you have an audience elsewhere? Maybe you've got an email list. Maybe you've got a channel on YouTube. Maybe you're in a, a Slack community. Maybe you've actually got meetups that you do, kind of real friends, real connections. So first and foremost, always the quickest way to sell, because that's what you need to do. First and foremost, get cash in the bank so you can actually grow your product, grow your team grow your revenues and start building is, yeah, leverage your existing network. So start reaching out to prospects that you already know, that already trust you and say, look, I've built this thing. This is the problem we fix. Can we have a conversation? Um, Because they already know and trust you. And not only that, but they can start giving you some social proof. Once you start selling to them, you get some cash in the bank, you can start getting some case studies, some testimonials. Then you can start working on the real go-to-market motion, which might be organic search strategy. It might be Yes, you want to capture demand first. I wouldn't even think about building demand at this stage. Once I've got some cash in the bank from that (laughs) first exercise, then I would start capturing demand. So on the basis that the offer is an established market, which it would be if it was some kind of proposal tool or whatever, meaning there's prospects searching for for the offer, chuck some money into Google Ads, chuck some money into maybe G2, or Capterra, whatever's relevant, these are the listing aggregator sites that have a ton of traffic, because then you can just start capturing a few leads for people that have high intent for your offer. And then you can start thinking about kind of scaling out an organic search strategy. That would be my first idea, point of view.
0: No, I absolutely love that. That's very uh, founder-friendly talk. Absolutely, I resonate with you, Uh, because, you know, I've been through the same process myself. Um, you know, coming from a proper content marketing background and then starting out my agency, it's it's still like you have to reach out to your immediate network to put food on the table. And then, like in, in my case, um, the first three months, I didn't even build my website, right? So we came back and did this. We started the podcast first and came up for the website much later. And then uh, content and all those things um, came up a bit later because the focus is, like you said, you know, the focus was always delivering for existing customers and then your own website as an agency becomes less of a priority in that uh, sequence but let's talk about this you know let's talk about um, driving revenue using seo you mentioned uh, you know uh, money keywords i'd love to double click on that and understand um, what are those and um, how do they connect to revenue the reason why i ask this is that generally it is very difficult to get The stakeholders together in an organization to agree on this SEO strategy. So let's talk about a combination of this. What are the money keywords? And how do you get people together to work on a strategy?
1: So yeah, money keywords, essentially, what I mean by that is what would your ideal prospect quite literally search for, if they're ready to have a sales conversation with your team today. Um, So if we go back to proposal tools, if we go down to kind of niche long tail searches, it might be something like proposal tool for sales teams, or proposal tool for accountants or um, proposal tool for finance or something like that a long tail keyword which is relevant to the offer and the market that you serve it might not be that variation that's just guessing off the top of my head but working out what your target markets are with a variation of your tool included and um, so those are some of the main ones and likewise competitor alternatives can be quite good in the the tech space so pandadoc alternative proposal alternative and there's a bunch of others knowing your competitors and building those out so those are probably some of the first places you start yes you're probably thinking why don't i just go for a kind of super juicy generic keyword that has thousands of traffic like proposal tool or proposal software which you can by all means but don't expect to get results too quickly unless you've got a million or or so uh, dollars to pump into links and building authority because there'll be giants in the space so those more generic competitive terms, they can be your long-term goal over the next 12, 18, 24 months. But in the meantime, we wanna see results in kind of three to six months with these long-tail searches. So once you've nailed yeah, those-
0: content like HubSpot. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah, you're not gonna rank CRM for CRM uh, keywords in there anytime soon, unless you've got kind of a few yeah. million in the bank. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I mean by those. And then once you've kind of determined those search terms, Then you want to build best-in-class content pages, so really long-form, detailed pages that address what a customer cares about if they're searching for that offer. So something I did when I got us ranking for B 2 B2B SEO company recently in, in the UK and some EU countries was I basically just typed in on Google, B2B SEO company, looked in what the top three organic results were, assessed their pages, and looked for gaps that I could fill where our content could be better. And you can do just the same on your target search terms, but there's a few tricks of the trade. So don't just want to do your standard, um, content where you try and whack in as much words as possible. You want to actually think about, well, from a perspective, like if I'm talking about this offer on a sales, call, what do they actually care about? What does a prospect care about? Ultimately let's quickly talk. We can fix their problem. Let's quickly give them a snapshot of how this solution addresses the problem. Let's show some examples, some social proof of addressing it, maybe testimonial videos, maybe a quick case study, whatever. Um, Maybe you want to qualify people on the page. Maybe we'll even uh, mention pricing um, because we want to make sure if someone clicks the call to action that we we qualify them in if they book a demo. And then also uh, one that I did quite recently that helped me on a rank that B2B SEO company page was I was struggling actually because I was on page two for ages and I thought, well, why don't I actually um, address objections that come up on sales calls all the time? So quite often in my case, people ask me like, how much does it cost? Why are you more expensive than other companies? Isn't Google ads quicker than SEO? Um, How long does it take? Like all these questions that I get daily on on sales calls, what I address them directly. And I'm sure if in your industry you get much the same around pricing, implementation, do I get an account manager, whatever. Quite literally address those up front. Most of your competitors will be scared stiff or their answers that they do give will be super fluffy, but get specific, get crisp and actually give people the answers (laughs) they want. Because not only is that going to help your SEO because you're addressing what's called EEAT, Experience, Expertise, Authority, Trust, which Google laid down as an algorithm update end of last year. So you're helping with content. You're helping with content that's actually worthwhile, but you're also giving prospects the answer to the questions that they care about, thus making them more likely to trust you and then convert and kind of request that demo, request that call. So that's something to think about for your long form pages that to actually make sure that they rank. And yes, you want to do technical SEOs. So you want to give a decent meta and title description, do your heading tags and all that jazz, and make sure you've got a fast loading page that works well on mobile and PC, that goes without saying. So that's some things to consider there. Um, and then when it comes to getting stakeholder buy-in, like SEO is always a game, right? Because loads of SEO experts will say it depends on how long it's going to take to see rankings and see inbound. Yes. Um, and the thing about SEO is, it's while well, some people kind of think that it's um, like a form of direct marketing or a form of response marketing or that kind of stuff, I think it's much more right because the thing about SEO is that a lot of prospects, in my opinion, anyway, subliminally place more trust in organic search results compared to paid. So any savvy person knows that an organic result is earned, whereas a paid one is just paid for placement. Um, So what the angle i quite like to take when it comes to pitching SEO to your stakeholders is, 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 look, if prospects are quite literally searching for our offer on Google, as it stands, our competitors are snapping up the traffic just because they rank higher than us. Every time a prospect searches for our offer, if they search for a competitor, if they search for a problem we fix, competitors are above us. Quite literally stealing traffic and opportunities to the website um so that's one way you can kind of play into the the uh, bleeding neck problem that ignoring seo costs um and likewise yeah. good thing about seo is it's an asset so every piece of content you create on your website be it a solution page a comparison page a blog article is a piece of evergreen content meaning it's searchable not just now but for months and years to come so just like when you do a search on YouTube, like how to do something, you know, best ways to do something, you'll see a video a few weeks, a few months, even years old. SEO content's just yeah. the same, right? It can it can uh, be found, it can drive traffic, um, it can build trust, but also it can drive inbounds for not just now, but for years and years to come. So that's one of the angles I like to play. Um, cause stakeholders yeah. are always quite keen to see immediate results from like, ads or outbound sales or whatever. But if you explain this properly and say, look, SEO is also gonna strengthen those channels because if prospects keep seeing us top of organic search whilst they're comparing yeah. their vendors, whilst they're perhaps being outreached on email and calls, um, it's only gonna strengthen the other channels. So yeah, those are a few things that I tend to recommend.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's like, as a marketer who's been in the world of content and SEO, uh, this makes for an amazing conversation because, you know, on one side, we are trying to um, con- consistently rank better and uh, be more available and seen uh, by our uh, primary target customers. But at the same time, uh, you know, you also notice that every now and then, the top five people who rank for these things write the same regurgitated content and uh, the content ranks, it's functional, but it's not very exciting when you go into it. That's why I love the part where you said that you need to really understand what people are looking for and uh, not just be purely technical. Mm -hmm. To just give you one example, you know, people have abused this FAQs on the page to an extent that Google has now, you know, removed that part from all of that. So, so how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, especially with AI right now, right? When people can use tools like Jasper and whatever and just get a 1,500, 2,000 yeah, word yeah. article or page with a click of the fingers. Yeah. Um, but I think people, maybe not so now, but definitely in the, the weeks, the months and years to come, people are going to realize like they'll just skim the content. It's like when you're on the LinkedIn feed and you see someone does a post and you see some of the comments are just automated from AI. And they'll say, like, whoa, this is awesome content. This is going to skyrocket my gains and like all this kind of nonsense. And it's like, well, articles, some of them just look like that. They just look like they've been written by a robot. And eventually, that will people will become aware to that. So if they land on your site, they're reading these pages. They're just going to bounce straight off, um, thus harming your, your rankings and harming your conversion rate and your website session times. So actually putting thought, I think there's nothing wrong with using AI as a framework for content but then you want to involve a a subject matter expert from your team so they can really say, look, if a prospect lands on this, is it actually going to resonate with them? Is it going to talk about kind of their problems, the pains that they're facing? Is it going to address those head on? Is it going to give them relevant social proof to build trust? Is it going to kind of overcome any objections that we often see? Is it going to address the questions? Is it going to give them everything on this page in order for them to trust us as a a useful asset to their business and take them one step closer to kind of having a conversation with sales. There's no
0: point creating invisible content that ranks. Absolutely love that. Right. Uh, let's finally talk about um, the the uh, backlinking aspect. You know, one of the primary aspect or, or factors that people consider when it comes to SEO is the amount of backlinks that you have. Sometimes, you know, in my personal opinion, I've also seen that, Quality content, even with internal backlinking, has sometimes ranked pretty quickly. Uh, But let's let's talk about the idea of backlinking in the sense that, um, you know, should you be really reaching out to people and building those backlinks? Or is the idea to create content that is backlinkable? Like how, um, you know, research documents or the statistics docs are created by the HubSpot and all these other people. Mm -hmm. So what is your approach? How do you look at it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Where I'll, does
0: backlink I'll, fit into the strategy?
1: I'll give you the scrappy Sam point of view, which would be kind of useful for absolutely. Boot, I love that bootstrap founders and marketers with limited budgets, etc. So it's kind of a bit more realistic than just talking about what applies to a kind of VC or funded company. First and foremost, like you mentioned there, Yag, you don't always need links. So if you copy some of the strategies that I said earlier in this, like, for example, when I've ranked some quite niche terms like B2B SaaS SEO and B2B SEO company and kind of real long tail specific terms, didn't actually get any links to do those. I just made best in class content, really analyzed the competitor and built for buyer. But when we go to generic terms, that have got tons of traffic. When we go to like proposal tool, I don't know best accountancy software, kind of real, sp- real kind of competitive, generic high vo- traffic volume search terms, you haven't got hope in hell of ranking without quality links, because you'll have serious giants in the industry that have acquired tons of high domain authority links. So Google sees uh, links as a as a trust building factor. So when it comes to ranking for really juicy terms, yeah, you you probably need some. Um, so a few scrappy ways that you can. Build some backlinks, ramp up your domain authority and kind of start building the rankings for some competitive terms. One of my favorites is doing what we do now. So actually guesting on podcasts. So a nice way to do that is what you can do is there's a good site called chartable, chartable.com. You go go there, it's got a, a drop down, so you can quite literally click Apple Podcast, click your target location, US, UK, whatever. Click the subcategory, marketing, finance, tech, whatever, choose that. Then you can see the top 50, top 100 podcasts in your niche, which is a goldmine. Because from there, you can outreach to the hosts and essentially get as a guest on there. So you want to get your subject matter expert, whether that's yourself or someone on your team. One of the best ways that I've found to do it is to actually personalize, connect to them on LinkedIn Um, to send a painfully short message none of these hundred word emails that clogs the inbox literally find them on linkedin the host of the show send them a painfully short personalized request like hey john just listen to episode 101 love the point on this um would be great to come on your show and talk about this x y and z i was recently on this show something like that bit of social proof within the message and then end it like are you against the conversation It's a bit of a Chris Voss reverse psychology close um, question. And that has quite a good success rate. What you want to do is kind of slowly pitch pitch a few of those a day. Um, And then over time, you'll get yourself some good guest appearances on some relevant shows to your niche. And then what you can do is you can, of course, record a decent show, share some actionable tips. And then once you've got your show, you can then ask them to give a backlink on their article to one of your target keywords on your site. Um, but that's like a, a double hitter because you get PR, you'll probably get some exposure from the podcast, but you also get a nice link back to your site. That's one freeway. Um, another freeway is partnerships. Again, this is a this is probably a double hitter as well. So you find complementary companies to your industry um, that aren't direct competitors, but are something perhaps that customers ask you for. So in my case, as like a B2B SEO and website and go to market consultant, then quite a lot of the time I get asked about LinkedIn ads, I just don't do them. So I'll recommend a guy called Justin Rowe and his company, Impactable. And likewise, whenever they need, whenever they get asked about websites, SEO and that kind of thing, they'll just pass them to me. So you set up a channel with record, with kind of complementary companies that serve similar clients to pass business to each other. So that's free leads, free inbound but to my point you create some media together so that could be a joint podcast a joint youtube video series on how to um you create some blog articles some how-to guides and then you you create some nice natural links on each other's sites um gives you a nice little boost and at the same time also grows your business through a referral partnership scheme um really nice kind of go to market and way to kind of ramp up inbound leads and then lastly to your point create content so good at Gets links, yes, that's an option. So, when you're building out pages, if you have got unique assets or unique data points that you can leverage, i.e., you've done some customer research on a certain segment and you've got some interesting statistics that you can put into some cool chart, great stuff. Um, so, if you've got anything like that, that's always going to be a, a win for sure.
0: Amazing. And the first two points that you mentioned, you know, about podcasts and partnering, the, the, the best part and the worst part about this is that if you do it well, you can build amazing relationships. You can find the best audience and communicate your message in a in a nice way. Like, you know, you're you're um, making this conversation here and it's exactly the right audience because my audience is primarily content marketing folks from SaaS. And uh, this is the perfect way to talk. And this is a perfect audience. And the conversation is very, very uh, relatable because you're you're talking to the problems that they face on a daily basis. But on the contrary, you know, this is one area that also heavily gets messed up. Like every single day, I probably get about 10 emails that says that, hey, this is the profile of this person. Would you like to have him on the show? And I'm Mm. like, this guy is, and they, they even make this as a template. You know, the line that you said that I heard you say this on this. And now people have made it in such a template that it is so fake when you read it at first. And sometimes I respond to these people saying that, by the way, this person was not on my show and you did not mm. hear him because we, we never ended up recording an episode. It's, it's It becomes a blast, right? Same thing with uh, partnership as well. It's like, hey, I have this blog post. I saw that you wrote on this. Can you give me a backlink? That's not where you start a relationship.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. You want to be a bit more, um, a bit more tailored, a bit more thoughtful. So... um especially on partnerships like LinkedIn. I I don't know how I approach it with some of our partners. Like usually I I probably kind of engaged on their posts for a while and then maybe sent them a tailored video message and said, look, I see you guys are serving a similar client base. I think we could start kind of passing inquiries to you. And would you be open to having like a quick zoom on kind of what we could send each other's way and maybe build some content together. And they already kind of trust you because you've engaged with their stuff on LinkedIn for a little while and you've built up a bit of a, a bit of a back and forth
0: right um so let's let's summit all the some sum this all up from the lens of you know looking at it as a whole website um i mean uh, you guys are specialists in this so um what how do you rate a typical website on what basis what what makes you say that hey this is an amazing website that you will give them an a plus whereas some site you'll say that hey these guys don't have the basic parameters and it's it's Is it based on design? Is it based on the components? Or is it based on messaging? Uh, How do you judge it?
1: There's so much that goes into a great website, Um, but I'll give you the key overview. And probably 90% 90 of the websites that I see in B2B and SaaS are pretty shocking, mainly because they're not built for for buyers, prospects, AKA the people that are gonna buy your stuff. Um, So you've got to think of it this way typically um and these insights i've gathered from kind of data of our own websites clients websites and also from my podcast business growth show from interviewing like 340 b2b senior marketing execs so usually if someone's going onto your site the main things they actually care about doing is quickly getting an idea of what you do how you can help them and the problem you fix they want to see some proof of results so maybe case studies uh, testimonial videos, etc., that you can actually deliver on what you, you're promising. They want to check that they can afford your stuff. So they, they want to see a pricing page. They want to make sure that it's actually going to be within budget. Um, they want to get their questions answered. So in relevant pages, you want to kind of address questions, concerns, problems that we talked about earlier. And on the basis that you check all those boxes, then they want an easy way to strike up a conversation. Ideally with an AE, they don't want to be qualified by an SDR. They want to book time on your reps calendar and have a decent conversation with an AE. So some kind of calendar tool or straightforward form, so they can easily request that demo or consult. So that's the main things that someone wants to see from a B2B website, from my experience. Um, but where they go wrong is that kind of websites, messaging, content, pages are built on ego, aka what the C-suite thinks is going to work and look good rather than actually crafting the messaging content design around what your focus clients care about. Um, and that, that could be a whole episode in itself, but a, a kind of crucial step is customer research before you actually do any design or copy. So talking, if you've got customers that is, so if you've got like top 10 clients that you can interview kind of really understanding things like what they care about seeing in a vendors like your space, If you've got an existing website and you're redesigning like what they feel is missing on your current website, um, understanding the main kind of problems frustrations they have that they want to tackle, understanding what they feel is better on any competitors. Um, and really kind of going through the jobs to be done framework, like what job are they trying to fix? Where are they getting stuck now? Um, what is, what are some of the issues with your current site? What are the kind of main things that they actually care about seeing on a vendors like yours website quickly? Um, and what do they feel they need to see before they're ready to have a sales conversation, i.e. on SaaS and tech websites. A lot of companies tend to hide their demos. Whereas if you talk to prospects, they'd much rather probably see a live video demo or see an interactive demo or something like that than give you their email, be contacted by a sales rep. So They probably wanna see kind of some some variation of your product before they're ready to have a sales convo. So great websites are built on rock-solid research um, because that informs your copy, your messaging, um, key pages and design and then making sure that that actually is addressed when you're building up those pages understanding what people want to quickly learn see or do before they're going to be ready to take that demo or book that sales call is pretty important
0: no i love how this is like so tough to mind for you that it just flows like a river that you're you're like probably you're seeing this on a daily basis, the number of people doing the same set of things again and again. And it, it just comes like a waterfall. <laughs> I, I love, you know, the way you explain this because, you know, I have seen certain websites with integration pages that literally say like connect everything, do anything. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. It's,
0: it's about, it, and, 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 I, and I love the, uh, you know, jobs to be done aspect. I just recorded and published this uh, podcast episode with, uh, Uh, Bob Moesta, where he entirely spoke about using jobs to be done uh, to create content. And um, it was a very interesting conversation wherein he said that, you know, he asked me, what did you recently buy? And I told him I bought a pair of shoes. I said, then he asked, like, why did you buy it? And I said, I bought it because, um, you know, I joined a gym and I had to buy this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, How many shoes did you have? I said, I had one. He said, why did you not use it? I said, the gym has a rule that I cannot wear shoes that I wear on the street into the gym. So I said, oh, okay, now you're talking. Then as he asked further and further, you know, he was finally able to layer out and give me this example saying that your purpose was not to buy a shoe. Your purpose was fitness. And uh, this was a hurdle in your way. So you had to go and buy a shoe quickly. And you probably might not be even thinking of the brand that you want because you want to quickly buy a shoe. And your problem is this. And then he asked me, how much time did you spend in buying the shoe? I said, less than five minutes in the store. So there was the answer, right? Mm. A lot of people make their product the biggest deal, whereas what the customer wants to accomplish and what they want to feel at the end of it, your product might be a small speck of dust in that whole journey that they are having. And you cannot blow this out of proportion. I absolutely love it.
1: So true. I'll have to listen to that episode (laughs) because that sounds interesting. But yeah, like you say, knowing... Knowing those things, like in your case, the tipping point that actually drove you to decide that now is the point that you need to get those new trainers. Like that's, I could talk about this stuff all day, but it's like with homepage, website, homepage headlines, just like you mentioned there, where you go onto a SAS homepage and it's like we're a three hundred and sixty degree all in one encompassing uh, piece of software that's going to manage everything A to Z, and it's like well, I've landed on your website, but I'm still not entirely sure what you do, so. If a prospect's just clicked a paid ad or come from organic or whatever, like how are they getting a clear idea of how you're going to improve their life, their business, or fix something they care about and are solving? Um, So it it does boggle me why companies do that kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Right. So with that, let's move to the second part of the podcast, which we call the rapid fire section. In this part, I'm going to shoot five pointed questions at you. The questions might be short. But the answers need not be, you can go with the flow based on whatever comes to your mind. So are you ready? Let's go. All right. Here's question number one. WordPress or Webflow? Which one do you prefer and why?
1: Oh, that's good. WordPress from an SEO perspective um, and for future scalability. But it's worth noting that a lot of SaaS companies are moving to Webflow for ease of use?
0: Wow, interesting. Actually, you know, on the contrary, um, I don't know, maybe this is my observation. I've always felt that things rank faster on Webflow, but Webflow is a little harder to use compared to um, WordPress for me. But maybe, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on Webflow. That's why I feel that.
1: I just did a LinkedIn post about (laughs) Webflow versus WordPress, funnily enough.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I'm going to go and check that. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, So here's question number two. What is your reaction to the LinkedIn post that pops up every now and then claiming that SEO is dead?
1: Yeah, SEO is dead, cold calling's dead, demand gen's dead, paid search is dead, podcasting, everything's dead, man. Like, <laughs> why why bother with marketing, because it's all dead? like um, nah, it's, it's all clickbait, right? Like most things on LinkedIn, yeah. they all they need to have these kind of hooks to get the traction, get the engagement, and get people to click, see more. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff's dead if you don't have the right strategy. But the thing about SEO is SEO is not always the best fit for companies. So you've got to actually, the SEO works best when you're in a market that is established. You have prospects actively searching for your solution. If you're in a brand new category or a brand new sector, it's not always the best fit. Or likewise, if you don't have resources to assign to it properly, it might not be for you.
0: Here's question number three. One thing that you believe that you still haven't mastered when it comes to SEO.
1: So I lean heavily on strategy and the content side of things that you might have kind of heard me talking about. So that's, that's why I have a development team, so they can handle the technical side of things. So that's probably the, the area that I could improve on. Hence why I have smarter people than me doing it for us.
0: I think we both are on the same page. Uh, I'm also like that, more of a content person and less technical. Yeah, love that. Right. Question number four. Having worked with a lot of SaaS companies um, and on their websites especially, what is one most common area of improvement that you've come across?
1: Customer research, really. So SEO aside, just like I said there, building out your messaging content pages for what your focus, what your dream clients actually care about learning, seeing, or doing.
0: Here's the final rapid fire. One metric that you would highly recommend to measure SEO performance based on and one metric that you absolutely hate measuring SEO on.
1: Well, it's it's got to drive revenue. So to get that, you've got to measure the inbound demo requests or consult requests or call requests. That's the main metric people actually care about. Um, And it is difficult. Attribution's a funny beast, right? So that's why I'm not going down the Chris Walker route and just saying rely on how do you hear about us as a field on your inquiry forms. Yes, add (laughs) how did you hear about us? And shout out to Tom Hunt because he mentioned recently on your, what I'm saying here is on your demo request forms or consult request forms, add a field for how did you hear about us, but in brackets put leave as much detail as you want with a smiley face. That helps you get more info in that field. Um, but what you'll find is if you rely on a field like that to attribute how people are finding you, a lot of people will put like Google, LinkedIn, quite one word answers. So use that as data, one data point. Use your analytics software, Google Analytics HubSpot as another data point. But then also, when you call the lead, when you have the conversation, ask them, what, how did you stumble upon us today? What was the full journey that you took? And use all those three data points together to get the full journey of kind of how they found you, whether it was organic search. Maybe they went on Google. Maybe they then asked a peer. Maybe they went, went in a Slack community so you can get all that data together. And another great question to ask on those sales calls is, I know you've got your choice of vendors in our in our industry. Why did you take the time to fill out our form as opposed to a competitor? That'll give you a lot of intel as to to why they chose you. I suppose if if you're only met, med, 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 if you're only reporting on rankings, because then a company could just be like, "Well, we've got a thousand page ones or a 1, thousand kind of page one position one organic, but they're not actually for money search terms. They're not actually contributing to relevant traffic that's actually uh, driving inbounds."
0: And, and I love the depth that you went into uh, talking of attribution, because, you know, I, this is one area that I personally have seen a lot, like, uh, I 100% agree with you that leaving a blank does not get uh, an in-depth answer as expected. The reality is, of course, a combination, like you mentioned. And the interesting part, you know, this is, again, another learning from uh, the Bob Moistar episode, wherein he says that. The reason why people go and choose three or four people, uh, three or four options is that for all you know, they might have decided that this is the one that I want to get into, but they want two or three more options so that they can eliminate those three to make sure that their decision is right. That's from a jobs to be done perspective. But yeah, uh, asking about these things as an A into the conversation gives you their holistic journey rather than you just looking at certain data points and making assumptions. I absolutely love that
1: yeah man i i say that because i literally did it ourselves like we added the how do you hear about us to our inquiry form some time ago and we were getting just like one-liners like google linkedin searched online asked a friend it doesn't really <laughs> tell you anything like it wasn't until i was getting on those sales calls and like asking them the detailed question about their journey then i was getting kind of the real in-depth side of things so it's worth worth bearing in mind that not everything you see on LinkedIn is gospel. And quite a lot of that stuff is coming from marketers that never sold anything in their life.
0: Those are golden words, but maybe a little controversial also, but that's the controversial.
1: truth. Controversial.
0: <laughs> awesome. All right. For all the listeners who are here, if they want to get in touch you, uh, touch with you, what's the best place to find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate you having me on, Yag. So I, I shared daily tips on B2B SEO websites on LinkedIn you can check out my podcast, Business Growth Show. Um, or if you're perhaps struggling with your organic search strategy or your website's not driving a steady flow of qualified inbounds, then you can check out and apply to work with me at samdunning.org.
0: That is awesome. I'm sure a lot of people are going to connect with you and they're already probably following you on LinkedIn. And as we wrap this up, uh, would you have any parting message for our audience? These are primarily content marketing folks in the world of B2B SaaS.
1: I think experimentation. So I guess if uh, there's anyone in the marketing world or SaaS world that's thinking about going off on their own, as a lot of people do, um, then one of the best things that you can do is experiment with new channels, but also build something yourself. So get stuck into building something yourself is one of the best first steps that you can take into the world of entrepreneurship business in the B2B sector. So whether that is starting your own mini website, starting your own podcast, like you've done, like I did three or four years ago, build something your own. So then you can actually see if it works. You can get a feel for kind of the world of business and then you can actually kind of learn what it's like. A podcast, a good one because that can almost become a mini business. Cause you can invite like ideal clients. You can invite people you want to learn from loads of people. As you know, Yag will, will say yes to coming on. You can get really good learnings um, for yourself. It helps fuel your content strategy. So yeah, start start building something. Start think about what's going to be relevant for where I want to go in the future and take action upon it.
0: No, absolutely. Uh I can confirm that to say, you know, um uh, the amount of learning that I've had starting the organization, starting a podcast, building a few things on their own is probably, you know, in a short span, you I've learned like a lot more than what I've done in the last fifteen years as a marketer. It's it's like an incredible difference. So that's that's like can't agree more. Thank you so much. I think that's a fantastic place to wrap this episode up. I totally appreciate your time, Sam, and absolutely loved every minute of this conversation.
1: Legend. Thanks for having me.